The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. bleed green are you an ultimate eagles football fan well you're in the right place well you're in the right place this is birds 365 hosted by the new mac and mac jody mcdonald and john mcmullen here we go here we go who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. And a good morning, Birds fans. Appreciate you streaming on a uh, thirsty Thursday. I'm going to have a lot of coffee. Uh, here with us on Birds 365. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We're to hang with you for the next two hours. Got two good guests coming your way. John Stolness and Rick Saratella. So you want to stay tuned for those two gents. Uh, Johnny Mac did not know that DeAndre Swift was going to be making his official, first official appearance as an Eagle. Not here in Philadelphia. He's a... Philly boy, uh, but I uh, got a chance to talk to him, did the Philadelphia media yesterday. And I, I don't know, maybe it's because I thought it would be a good trade ahead of time before the Eagles ever pulled the trigger on it. I'd never really seen the kid uh, interviewed all that much during his playing career. It seemed like a, a good young man, a motivated young man, a happy young man, and a pretty smart young man at that. Uh, what do you take out of the DeAndre Swift? meet and greet yesterday yeah llama de zacchaeus as well it was saint joe's prep day down at uh the novacare complex obviously it was virtual for us but uh uh reporters but uh yeah both of them spoke yesterday for the first time since returning home um yeah i mean you know one thing about kirby smart in georgia i said the same thing about nolan smith and uh uh, uh kelly ringo you know, they're, they're Nicobe Dean as well. If you want to go back and Jordan Davis, they're all, you know, very well spoken. They're all, uh, and, and even Jalen Carter, he gets all the, obviously, you know what, because of what happened off the field, but it's not like he comes in as a, as a bad guy, seems very likable. Um, you know, uh, I think they're doing a, a, a pretty good job 
down there getting people ready for life, not just football, um, from all indications of the, of the people that have come to Philadelphia. Um, so uh, kudos to him. DeAndre is just another one. Sounds like he'll fit in because I thought we said yesterday was smart. He paid deference to Jalen Hurts. Smart thing to do. He is the quarterback. He is the leader of the franchise. He's the face of the franchise, let's be honest. And I uh, said he's looking forward to playing with him and working with him and learning from him uh, exactly what you wanted to hear. And that he just looks at himself as a piece of the puzzle, that he's not coming in here, first-round draft pick, 1,000-yard uh, rusher. He's going to come in here and be the offense. He knows that's not the case. We know that's not the case. And that's a good place to start if the guy's got the right attitude. Sometimes when you get dealt, and one of the more interesting things I thought yesterday was, it, it seemed to me like for him it came out of left field, that he did not necessarily see this coming, that he thought he was going to be the lead back in Detroit again and didn't know uh, that they were potentially going to go in another direction and, and trade him. Sometimes that happens. You cop a bit of an attitude. Oh, I'll show them. I'll go to Philly and get 2,000 yards. And no, he handled it well yesterday and that he realized, yeah, Philly's got some pretty damn good offensive weapons. I'm just going to be asked to go in there and be a piece of the puzzle. I was very glad to hear the way he stated yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he knew. I, I He didn't know before the draft. Uh, he, he kind of, you know, because if you think about it last year, they had the two-headed beast at running back, and then they lost Williams, but they, and they brought in Montgomery. So from his standpoint, it's just a different sort of setup, different guy as a uh, compatriot. I don't even want to see compliment because those two kind of shared it. But uh, but once he saw Gibbs go at 12, he knew uh, the writing was on the wall. He did get a follow-up and, and admitted to that. Uh, and we all did. That's yeah, how we was probably on the phone 15 seconds later. Uh, you know, you draft a kid number 12 overall, you sign somebody in free agency, you know, got room for anybody else. So it, it was almost a fait accompli at that point. And look, it's a good opportunity for him. He talked, you know, I asked him about running behind that offensive line. Detroit has a very good offensive line, but yeah. the Eagles, you know, they arguably have the best offensive line in football. And plus you have Jalen Hurts and the plus one aspect. We always talk about creating space for the running backs. Um, defense is always concerned about him pulling the football on the backside. Uh, can't, there's not a better place in the NFL for a running back. Right. If I'm playing running back in the NFL and up my choice, land where I want, Philadelphia would be right at the top of my list. Uh, one other thing, and maybe you recognize the voice I didn't, um, when they went to uh, talking about hard knocks and the fact that the Lions were the team on hard knocks last year and quote-unquote his portrayal on hard knocks, which I don't think he really had a portrayal, but in the first episode, Deuce Staley was uh, kind of tough on him that he's got to turn his shoulders and, and make the tackler pay rather than skitter out of bounds. Hey, not, nothing that should surprise us here in Philadelphia, right? Deuce Staley was a hard-nosed, hard, nose, hard uh, you can use another word in there, type coach his time here in Philadelphia. That's just Deuce. Yeah. Was, yeah. Oh, my God, you got this scared cat who's going to run out of bounds all the time. Deuce had to get inside his uh, – no. 
Deuce does that with everybody. That's the way Deuce coaches. That wasn't anything different. And I don't think it was a knock on DeAndre Swift. I've been saying this, John, for long before you and I ever started doing shows. I got no problems with a running back who on, on first and 10, rather than dropping his shoulders and, and getting a first down, it skips out of bound and makes it second and seven. Those two yards are not going to decide the game, but it keeps the running back in the game. I'm perfectly fine with. There are times third down. Yeah, you got to get the first down. You got to do whatever it takes to move those chains. But on first down, if he scampers out of bounds, some of the greatest backs in the history of the National Football League use the sideline as their friend. I think that's a complete non-factor. Do you think? No. Yeah. You know. You know. Back. Who the best ever was at that? Emmett Smith. Oh, absolutely. Would just you know get everything he could and just step out of bounds. And I think. I don't know, 18,000 yards later, it seems to have worked out for him. So, I, you know, I, yeah, I'm with you. There's no, the opposite, you know, if you're going to put your shoulder down. And I always say, the only time I ever saw Frank Reich mad, um, nicest guy in the world, doesn't curse. Um, the only time I ever saw him mad, different, not a running back, but when Carson once put his shoulder down in Carolina and tried to bulldoze in the end zone, um, you know, and that's your quarterback. So it's even more uh, of a, of a concern. There's no, yeah, uh, there's no need to do that. You're just going to get hurt. And um, if you're a key part of the team, it's, it's smart football. Um but, you know, that's one of the things. You bring up Deuce Staley, and now he's in Carolina. But when he was in Detroit, and obviously we know Dan Campbell, you know, they they run things in more of an old-school way than they run them here. And I think, you know, the players like it better here, to be honest. And we can argue, and we have argued. We talked about that forever, but last year. But it worked. So until it doesn't work, uh, I think the the I think DeAndre is going to be a little happier here with the with the practice workload, the off season workload, and all that kind of stuff. You know, uh, I I like Hard Knocks, the at least the one in the beginning of the season, the mid season one just doesn't work as well for me. But I watch every single episode last year. Detroit Lions, who the hell cares? Why I care? Because they're on Hard Knocks, and I think it's a really well done show, and it gets you ready for an upcoming season. My takeaway from DeAndre Swift on that was, is he on a team? Because they, they kept featuring Jamal Williams every single way. And they talk more about the, the guys who are or aren't going to make the cut. So they don't show you highlights from the first uh, quarter of uh, preseason games. I like almost forgot that he was on a team. I guess he was mentioned and Deuce yelled at him a little bit in the first episode. But uh, no, I think the, DeAndre Swift is going to be a very good fit here. So that leads itself to the question of how is he a fit here? Last year, I, I looked it up, John. I was actually surprised by the numbers. Carries by running backs, not Jalen Hurts runs, because those are different. And the coaches on record is saying, we're paying him more. It doesn't mean I'm going to use him less. So expect his workload to be about the same. Now, seasons are different. Maybe they're in more competitive games next year. Got a different guy calling the plays than last year, so I'm not going to just comp one to the other. But if you believe they're going to be similar, 
how big a percentage do you think Miles Sanders had of running back runs last year? Oh, quite a bit. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I mean, you know, he. I do. I just I did the math. I just yeah. wanted to see off the top of your head what the number was. Seventy-five. Are we? We're taking out the quarterback, right? Yeah, quarterback runs are out. Seventy-five or eighty. Yeah, it was that seventy-one percent of the Eagles' runs by running backs last year with Miles Sanders. Yeah, somebody's got to get those runs. Is it going to be DeAndre Swift? Is it going to be Rashad Penny? Does Trey Sermon's uh, production double from two to four carries this upcoming year? That's something that needs to be figured out, uh, and it'll be the offensive brain trust of the Eagles that will do so. Um, I, I, I'm okay with them going into the season. I like Miles. I wanted to see Miles stay. Uh, he got a yes, an, an average NFL payday to go to Carolina. Not blow the roof off the payroll, but uh, not good for any. running back payroll. Exactly. I think he, at, at some point, he was number one. I don't think if anybody passed him, I'd have to look. But yeah, free agency some, wise, yeah, he was number yeah one. free agency right. wise. I meant um, he was number one on the free age. So you know, it is what it is. But that's pretty good to be number one. And and he should have been. He was for at least for me. Uh, we talk about that. Jamal Williams. I mean, what that guy had? I don't know. 16, 17 touchdowns last year. He um, did, but he didn't have 1,200 yards the way that Miles did. He had over a grand, though. I don't know exactly what he had, but I know he won over a 1,000. But, no, he didn't have as much as Miles, and obviously he's not as explosive as Miles. Um, but 17 touchdowns, that's pretty impressive. Um, but, uh, but, you know, getting back to 71%, yeah, you got to replace the carries, but you know, money ball. You don't have one, it doesn't have to be one guy. It, you know, you got to replace the efficacy. Um, and and that's where Swift and Penny come in. So if Penny gets hurt, you know, maybe Swift p- uh, picks it up or vice versa because they both have an injury history. Rashad's much more uh, significant than Swift's, but Swift has missed. Like he's sort of like Miles before last year. Miles would miss a couple games every year, and last year he stayed healthy. That's partially one of the reasons he he got up to seventy one percent of that number. Um, you know, if you miss three or four games, it's going to skew it, and that's typically been his history. That's been Swift's history as well, um, missing a few games every season. Not serious injuries that. I think he played 13, 13, 13, if I'm not mistaken. I looked at it uh, a while ago in in his three seasons, um, which is kind of weird, but <laughs> nonetheless, uh, a couple games missed each year. Uh, same as Miles, and and who knows if you stay if you stay healthy, uh, things get better. Obviously, from a production standpoint, um, but you know how he's been pretty consistent, man. I mean, they're expecting a little bit of a shift. They know they got lucky on the injury front last year. And I give them credit for that because they're not at some point I was thinking, you know, they, they think they've gamed the system um, with their philosophy and how they run things. And to a certain degree, they, they believe it's not to a certain degree. They believe that's the right way to do things, but he is cognizant of it's probably not going to be like it was last year. He said it multiple occasions. So, I think he's well aware. And Miles was one of those guys who was 
typically had the history of missing two, three games at least, and he was out there. So that helps. Yeah, the Eagles would prefer you use the phrase law of averages rather than luck. They get all worked up when you go, oh, you got lucky. There's no such thing as luck. It's the way you do things, doing things right that get you the results that you need. Well, the law of averages said that say that the Eagles will not be as injury-free this upcoming season as they were last year. I agree with you. It's luck, John. They, they just don't like to use that word, but there is some luck involved here and how he could dismiss it all that he wants. But I agree with you. They've done a nice job at giving themselves at certain positions, not every position, linebacker. Uh, do they have depth where if they do have a rash of injuries this year, they've got guys who can come off the bench and get the job done. All right, coming off our bench, joining us, it's John Stolnes from Bleeding Green Nation. He's going to be the first guest today. Stay right here with Mac and Mac on Birds 365. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go birds! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left. Thank you, Mama. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh.
appreciate you streaming in here on Birds 365. We're back on Mac McMullen and McDonald. We had a third voice and an insightful one at that from Bleeding Green Nation and co-host of uh, the Eye on the Enemy Eagles podcast. John Stolis jumps in with us here on Birds 365. Johnny S., haven't talked to you since the draft. We need your take on this because we've gotten it then every uh, from basically everybody else we've had on the show. Yeah. How did Howie Roseman get smarter than every other person in the national football? <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. It, he really does seem to have, uh, he does seem to be one step ahead of everybody else uh, at this stage of the game. And, you know, there was a fair amount of skill. This was all put into place a couple of years ago for the cart with the Carson Wentz trade. They, you know, started to accumulate picks that way. The, the saints trade that he made last year was really what kind of, catapulted them this year no no team that goes to the super bowl should pick in the top 10 of the draft i mean that's just that's not the way the league works but uh getting that number 10 pick allowed them to move up and and he got some luck too i mean sometimes the board falls your way teams in front of you make decisions that benefit you as as it's getting closer i certainly think that there was a very high degree of likelihood that Jalen Carter would have got taken number five by the Seahawks. They went in a different direction. Um, the Texans jump in and, uh, you know, they they get up to number three, which kind of moves some other pieces around. And so you have a little bit of a mixture of luck and you have a little mixture of skill. And Howie Roseman, no matter what you can say about him and, and really everybody's singing his praises, I know. Other NFL GMs are sick and tired of everybody. Yeah. Roseman, and that's, that's just a shame. Too bad. So sad. <laughs> but, um, you know, you you, you got to give him his props. He just seems to have a good handle. And I think you got to credit the other guys in the organization who he works with. He doesn't do it alone. And, and the process that they have, they've really honed it over these last few years to a point where I think that no matter how these players turn out, the process was very good in these last few drafts, especially this last one. Yeah, that's what I always say, John. The decision-making makes sense. That process makes sense, typically with the Eagles. Not everything's going to work out. You can make a good decision, get a bad outcome. But the more good decisions you make, the better chance you have to have a good outcome. Uh, I think that bears out over the larger sample size. But Mm -hmm. you mentioned that it was Peter Schrager said it on the NFL Network that, you know, bunch of GMs around this league are getting tired of how we get this flowers uh, from everybody in the media. Um, but they're deserved. And so I'm trying to boil it down to the, uh, the essence of it. And I come up with two things and I come up with experience. I, Jody knows I love bringing up just Jim Swartz startup cost. Same with players. You know, rookie players, they have their start. Same thing with rookie GMs. They've never done it before. They make mistakes. Um, And guess what? They get fired before they can correct the mistakes when they make mistakes. So that's the second part of it, John. Jeffrey Lurie, the long leash. Howie Mm -hmm. Roseman can do things that other GMs can't do. So if I had to give you a, a, a percentage, chop it up. Experience. Jeffrey Lurie, that long leash. What? What? Why? Why would you say how we would have? What's a bigger part of that advantage how he has mm-hmm. over other GMs? That's a really good question. I would probably put it at sixty percent experience, forty percent long leash from Jeffrey Lurie because 
having that long leash allows you to take chances. It allows you to kind of, you know, you, there are teams that passed on Jalen Carter for a yeah. very good reason. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it could blow up in the Eagles' faces. It, there is a chance that that could happen. All of the picks that the Eagles made here, they're not locks. They, they all could go awry. But I think, the, I, think, I think Howie Roseman knows that he has more of an ability to take a chance, to take a risk on certain guys than other GMs do because they're they're year to year. And and Howie Roseman has won the Super Bowl. He's gotten the team back to another Super Bowl. I think he has convinced Jeffrey Lurie and the fan base that he knows how to put a, a Super Bowl team together. He's done it twice now. And now he's trying to keep this team together. So that, that leash really helps. But I also think that Howie Roseman has learned from his experience. And that's the thing. You can have guys with a lot of experience and sometimes they get locked into the way they used to do things or they get locked into past patterns of behavior. Howie Roseman, I don't think, does that. I think he's learned from past mistakes. I think he learned from the Jalen Rager pick that it's not a wise idea to pass up on a superior football player for a guy you think might be a better scheme fit for that particular next year and year after. Uh, I, I think he's I think he's not fallen victim to the sunk cost fallacy where you're paying a guy a ton of money and then you feel like you have to hang on to him because you've committed so much financially to him. That takes a level of maturity that I think he gained from when he got demoted, when Chip Kelly was around. And and so that's the most encouraging thing to me is I see a general manager who has learned from mistakes and who is not outthinking himself. He's not doing a galaxy brain thing. You know, he's he's making the smart moves that I think most of us would make, but they all make sense. And, and he's being universally praised for it. I'm going to need you to project on the Eagles second first round draft pick, Nolan Smith, because I I haven't even figured out my own position on the young man. Because I was not a fan of drafting him at 10. Mm -hmm. Not that he isn't a very good player. Not that he wasn't arguably one of the 10 most talented players. I just didn't know if he was a perfect fit with the Eagles. And if you're going to be drafting a guy at number 10, he better be a perfect fit. Because yeah. he's very similar to Hassan Reddick. Uh, the way they play the game, their size, how they would fit into a scheme defense. When you get the 10th best player at number 30, you don't say no. You say, please give me the card so I could turn it in. Yeah. But he's still that same player that is very similar to Sanre. If he's uh, uh, Hassan Reddick's backup, and when you mm -hmm. get Hassan off the field, you put him in and don't lose anything. Right. Is, is he a fit? Does, does he work with what the Eagles want to do? I, I don't know how you can't say it's a great draft pick when you get that kind of talent at that spot in the draft, but is he going to be a, a seamless fit into the Eagles defense? Right. Again, you're talking about, if you're looking at the process, it was a no brainer pick there at, at number 30, no doubt about it. As far as how he works in on this rotation <clears throat> here in 2023, you know, I, I think for an undersized guy, he does, he does play the run better than, than you would expect. And so I don't think you necessarily have to pull him off the field on in running situations, although he's not going to be used that way here in 2023. You still have Brandon Graham who can be that guy on the other side and he'll be a passing down guy. But I, I think as many guys as you can have that can get to the quarterback, they'll figure it out. I have all the confidence in the world. Sean Desai will be able to, to work him in. And it sounded like they wanted to think about using him as a linebacker in certain situations. So maybe you can use him in certain blitz packages that we didn't see under Jonathan Gannon. I, I think having Hassan Reddick and Nolan Smith lined up on each side of the line on certain passing downs would be terrifying 
to offensive linemen I mean, and to a quarterback who knows he's not going to have any time to, to, to throw the football. So I, I think there are certain ways that you can, that you can use him and use him a lot. I, I don't think this is going to be a guy who only plays like 10, 15 snaps a game. I, I think he's going to make a contribution. Certainly if you need to rest Hassan Reddick a little more, you don't want him to play quite as many snaps in 2023. I think then you, you have a guy who's very much like that in Nolan Smith. And that's a, that's a really nice thing that you don't have to have a change up. You can just have those guys. And we saw last year, how important having depth on the defensive line was with getting to the quarterback. Everybody was fresh all game long. And as long as they're not playing on an ice rink surface, they're going to get to, it sounds like they're going to continue to get to the quarterback. Um, Yeah. John, I, you know, they had 70 sacks last year, right? Yeah. And they still, I hesitate to bring up the name because, you know, it's not Jody's favorite, but D- Derek Barnett tours ACL in, in week one. And they were obsessed with getting that fourth pass rusher. Mm-hmm. You know, they tried to do it with Robert Quinn. It didn't work. You know, they were hoping Patrick Johnson would take that step forward. Didn't work. They still, with 70 sacks, they wanted the fourth guy. They wanted to come at you in waves. They were still hoping to the very end. Maybe Robert Quinn's the guy that'll make the Brandon Graham play in the Super Bowl. It didn't work. Yeah. Out. yeah. Um, you know, even if he made one play in the playoffs, it would have been worth it. Didn't work out. They were looking for it, looking for it, looking for it. Now they have it. And, you know, he doesn't have to play a lot right away. Right. But when Brandon Graham eventually does leave. You got to start talking about extensions for Reddick and Sweat, who are great players. You know, can never have enough pass rushers. Yeah, I don't think I told you this. This was a funny story, Jody. Obviously, I didn't tell it to you, John, but I texted an NFC uh, personnel guy after the Eagles took Carter. And I said, you know, basically all I said was, what do you, what do you think? Eagles, Carter, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I wasn't expecting an answer because he was kind of busy. <laughs> I was expecting an answer days later. I got an answer that night, not after the Carter pick, after the Smith pick. And the answer was rhymes with duck. <laughs> that, uh, th- this team with these players and that pass rush, I mean, I'm concerned about the back seven. But they're more talented than they were last year on, on the front when when you put Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith in the in the mix. On paper, it looks frightening. Beware those startup costs. Oh, the, the startup costs exist, but they're more talented up front. It might take a while. It might take a while. But Jalen Carter, I mean, he's just going to be better than Javon Hargrave. If he isn't, it's because of the off-the-field stuff. I mean, he's so gifted. He's going to be better. Um, Nolan Smith, there's more question marks about. But the Eagles already know how to use these undersized pass rushers. They've proven it. Um, I got to admit, though, John, you scared me a little bit with playing him at linebacker. I don't want any part of that. (laughs) Any part of that, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to discuss it. I think about Hassan Reddick in Arizona early in his career. I think about yep. Micah Parsons in Dallas before they got injuries. By the way, everybody's like that. Dallas was trying to make him an off-ball linebacker until they got two injuries to Marcus Lawrence, and I forget the second one that year. But then they were like, all right, let's see if the kid can do it. He can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, boy. 
off ball yeah. linebacker, I'm going to red flag that. Yeah, not my idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think just to be clear, I, I think, you know, that was something Howie Roseman mentioned or, or it was uh, Nick Sirianni uh, the night he was drafted. But I think, you know, I, I, if, if he does that, it's like a one year thing because they are they, they are hurting at linebacker right now. And like you mentioned, Derek Barnett's coming back. They, they do have edge rushers. So um, I, I but but I, I yeah, didn't Derek even Barnett. think of that, John. You just scared me. Yeah, oh, I don't God. want. I mean, he obviously, if you're looking at Micah Parsons as the template, yeah, you don't you don't want him playing linebacker. The smart thing would be to go out and get a linebacker here over the next uh, couple of months before the start of training camp. But um, I think it's a possibility, maybe as a temporary solution, uh, if if you're not able to upgrade the linebacker spot. But I think long term, his future is as uh, an edge rusher on the defensive line. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think any of the three of us break down game film of the Cowboys and watch every single play after the game is over and done with. We're all Eagle guys. Mm -hmm. I think Parsons still plays a little off ball linebacker with his hand. Uh, uh, he did very little last year, but they already said he's a full-time uh, edge rusher. Now they just said it like this week. They mm -hmm. just said it. They're like, uh, finally now he played very little, uh, uh, but he did play a little bit. Yeah. And, 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 you know, but now they've said, all right, you know, he's an edge rusher. He's, he's they, a defensive yeah. end, yeah. Which, is, which is smart. And I saw where Parson said he's put on a couple extra pounds of pure muscle that he's weighing in at 152 now. He played at uh, 252. He played 248 last year, and he doesn't expect to ever be over 252. Now that they've gotten Nolan Smith, and when I say that, I mean the Eagles. Does that mean they're not going to be in the running for Micah Parsons? Because I get this feeling that Micah Parsons wants to be an Eagle in the worst way. He's always <laughs> commenting on him. He's always doing podcasts with A.J. Brown where A.J.'s dropping hints like, you know, Micah, Philly's a great place to play, great place to, to live. Um, does this now take him out of the Micah Parsons running for when he gets free agency a couple of years from now? You know, it could. It depends on Nolan Smith's development, obviously. If if Hassan Reddick is still playing the way he's playing and, and Nolan Smith emerges as a guy, you know, I mean, you, it, it could because uh, he's going to demand big money. And it really and Jalen Hurts, obviously, his contract is not as as damaging as we were fearing it would be in the next uh, couple of three years. But um, there's there, there is going to be less money to, to go around. Now, I know this team, they do invest on the lines. And so if you're going to invest money in a free agent, Micah Parsons would be a really smart move. Um, that'll be a nice problem to have. Well, <laughs> kind of yeah. I think it I think it could, depending on how Nolan Smith develops. But I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, uh, when you're that, that good, that, I certainly that is that I kind of agree with Jody in that. You know, he does bring up the Eagles a lot. He seems All to have a time. lot of respect. Oh yeah, for the all Eagles. the time. Well, Penn State um, guy, you know. Yeah, hey. yeah. Um, they'll franchise him. I mean, he's that type of player. That they, mm. they won't they won't even mess with that. Now something could happen. He could get hurt. Which uh, oh, by the way, sorry to interrupt you, John. Now that they do that, gonna cost them more money because he's a defensive end. Franchise tag for a DE is a lot more than it is for a linebacker. I, so just, I, just remember that for two years from now when they try to slap the franchise all, all, tag. All on. I'm saying is I don't want to get Eagles fans' hopes up. I don't. I don't think there's going to be any path. That's just to, me pointing uh, out what Michael Parsons. Parsons said. It's yeah. not like I'm making this up out of left field. Michael <laughs> Parsons is the one who keeps dropping hints he'd like to be an Eagle. That's right. Yeah. Well, there's probably a lot of players that would like to be in certain situations, but they can't necessarily get there uh, later in life. Maybe if you're Tom Brady, 
Uh, you can you can backnord and negotiate with everybody, but uh, I don't think Mike is going to have that opportunity. But we shall see. And the Eagles are pretty good at edge rusher. They're probably not going to be in the market, but they're always looking to add. You know, one of the things you bring up, John, and the foundational philosophy is that addition, not only on the defensive line, offensive line. For the third consecutive year, I think Howie has said, and I wish people would pay more attention when we have these B. John Robinson talks pre-draft. Hey, if it's even, I'm taking the line. <laughs> he yeah. said it three consecutive years now, um, and he does it. Um, they do not take off all linebackers. I mean, I'm, I'm concerned, and it's from the point of I agree with them in general. Devalued position, not nearly as important. I'm not asking him to take Jack Campbell at 18, but I can't go into a season with Nicholas Morrow, who has not one penny of guaranteed money. Um, Nicobe Dean, look, I'm I'm with everybody else. I think he's got a chance to be a really good player, but the reality is he had 36 snaps or whatever it was last year. It's all projection at this point. Mm-hmm. That's kind of scary for a Super Bowl team. And you scared me even more with the Nolan Smith talk. Now I'm scared about that. I got to buy it. I have a dog. I can't criticize my dog by saying I need to buy a dog. I'm scared by that. They can't, they can't go. No, they got to bring in a veteran linebacker. Am I wrong? No. And I think the name that everybody is mentioning right now is, is Patrick queen from the Ravens. He's a guy who it looks like uh, could be on the move. It seems like a a perfect summertime trade for Howie. He's got all those picks in 2024 that he can, that he can use to go, to go get him. He's in the last year of his deal. We know how he loves guys in the last year of his deal. We saw him do that last year, last season in the off season, there were, there were some obvious holes on defense and some obvious solutions to those, to those holes. And, Howie Roseman went about making the obvious choices for to fill them and it all worked out. It's not to say it's all going to work out again, but Patrick Queen is an established linebacker. Uh, you can fit him in under the salary cap. You can you can restructure his contract and, and sign him for a few extra years to kind of spread the money out a little bit. It's probably not going to cost you more than maybe a fourth round pick next year, third, fourth, or fifth round. So I don't know exactly what the compensation would look like, but you whatever it is, they can afford it. And it would make all the sense in the world to bring him aboard because let then you said you don't have to squeeze Nolan Smith in at linebacker. You don't have to rely on Nicholas Morrow and his non-guaranteed contract to suddenly become a starter. And it would also take the pressure, I think, off of Nicobe Dean to have to be the guy at linebacker right now so that all the focus and attention wouldn't be on him to produce. It would just it would lighten his load quite a bit. And so that's the move to me that makes the most sense. And I guarantee there will be other linebackers who are cut by teams as we get closer to training camp. There will be opportunities to improve in that spot. After what I saw last year, it, the Eagles, I know that the Eagles roster is not set yet. There's plenty of time. Yeah, um, I had given the Queen thought some trade, talked about it earlier in the week here on Birds 365. Minimum, you got to pay is a three. Because yeah. they can keep him and let him walk out the door. And the, the, the projection is at least a four mm-hmm. in uh, losing the free agent in a compensatory pick. So why would you give up a year of the kid's talents and skills uh, for a four from somebody else just because it comes one year earlier? No, yeah. I think you got to give him at least a three. And I think he's well worth it. Uh, we'll see how the linebacker shakes out. All right, John, I've asked this of several of our guests this week. Want to run it by you. 
let's say Roger Goodell puts in a phone call to Jeff Lurie today and says, we're just tweaking the last couple items of the schedule for 2023, which is supposed to come out next week. Um, you're scheduled to play the Chiefs again. We in the office think it would be pretty cool if the first game of the year is Kansas City hosting Philadelphia in a Super Bowl rematch. We could do boffo numbers with that, Jeff. Mahomes again. Sorry, I don't have to paint the picture for you. Everyone knows why it would be a phenomenal game. If you're Jeff Lurie, do you say, oh, yeah, give us that shot. We want to kick the season off. Let's go. Prime time is thank you, Roger. Give me a choice. Now nah, we'll play Kansas a little later in the year. Thank you, but no, Mr. Commissioner. If you're Jeff Lurie, what's best for the organization? Would you say yes or no to opening up against the Chiefs on Thursday night? I think what's best for the organization from Jeff Lurie's position is what's going to be best for the financial aspect of the organization. And I think starting off against the Chiefs in a Super Bowl rematch in prime time, opening week of the season where you are the talk of the NFL, I think that's what Jeffrey Lurie would want. I think that's what the organization would want. And I think, yeah, I think, I think they should jump at it if it's offered to them, you know, and I, you're catching, you know, you're, you're starting off the season, you know, kind of, uh, you don't know exactly you're going to get. Same for the Chiefs. The Chiefs might, you know, have have started off seasons slow in the past and then come on late in the season. So I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a competitive advantage or disadvantage one way or the other playing the Chiefs opening week or playing them later in the season. So if the competitive advantage isn't really there, then yeah, let's let's start off as being the talk of the NFL in Week One. The Eagles already pretty much are the talk of the NFL, no matter no matter where it is. Let's do it. This is a marquee team. This is maybe this is the marquee team in the NFC right now. Give me give me the Chiefs on opening week. Give me the Super Bowl rematch on opening week. I don't think you'll get a letdown from the players on opening week if if you're starting off against Kansas City. I'm absolutely on board with that. I think Jeffrey Lurie would be on board with it, too. Um, what about uh, uh, Black Friday? Um a lot of talk. I think Peter King threw it out there that Eagles Giants, for whatever reason, might be the Black Friday game. Is there some, because you're right, the Eagles are typically a marquee team if they're even somewhat relevant because mm-hmm. the fan base is so passionate. They get a lot of uh, night games, a lot of special games. Uh, reporters hate it like me. <laughs> Reporters like me hate it, but (laughs) it happens. And now they're good on top of it, so really good. Um, It makes sense, but do you think there's a competitive disadvantage when you're moving around, you're playing extra Monday night games, you're playing extra Sunday night games, you're playing Friday, you're playing Thursday? Do you think that hurts the Eagles at all? Um, You know, I think – players would probably prefer to play every game on Sunday at one o'clock or every Sunday at four o'clock to get into a rhythm. So sure. I, I think so. But I think this team is so good. I I don't think it's a big deal. I, I think, and nobody likes playing on Thursday. That that's a horrible decision. The NFL made a few years ago. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like those games are going away, but the Thursday games are just awful. And I don't know. I don't know how we get rid of them. Black Friday would be only slightly better. It's obviously an extra day to rest and prepare in between games. So I would rather play on. If my options are Thursday or Black Friday, I'll take Black Friday. But obviously, Saturday or Sunday is is where you want to play most of the time. And if the Eagles are moving around a lot, I think that could be a problem. But, you know, for teams like the Patriots for all those years that are playing on all kinds of different times and the 49ers and, and everything. 
it didn't really seem to have an impact on them moving around. And I don't know, the Eagles have played a lot of different times the last few years. Yeah. And I don't think it's had a real negative impact. So the players would prefer, I think, a set schedule, but I, I don't necessarily think moving around Sunday night, Monday night, four o'clock, one o'clock is, is that big a deal. The Thursday games, you want to minimize those as much as possible. That's where having faith in your coaching staff comes into play yeah. uh, because that is a different week, different prep. Make sure the players know what they've got to do to be ready for the next game. Take the extra downtime when you're playing early and then you got something on the back end. That's all on the coaching staff. And uh, we've got a pretty high opinion of the coaching staff or at least the head coach here in town. Mm-hmm. The coaching staff we got to find out about because they've got a new offensive coordinator to do new defensive coordinator. I don't know if I've answered this one, John, when we've had you on. Your opinion on have the Eagles held steady? Uh, the drop-off won't be all that significant. I think they can actually be better with the two new coordinators they have in place. What's your read on the guys who are coming in to take the places of their former OC and D.C.? Well, I think in, in in Brian Johnson, you have the guy who has been amongst the most important pieces of Jalen Hurts' development. And Sean, Shane Steichen certainly is a brilliant play caller. He proved that over the last couple of years uh, since he took over the job in, in the middle of the 21 season. So Brian Johnson is a play caller we still don't know about. And that's going to be a question mark. And we won't know until the season rolls around. But I... You know, these guys don't all do their jobs in a vacuum. So I'm sure Brian Johnson is, was kind of following what Shane Steichen was doing. I'm sure understanding his rhythms a little bit as a play caller. And I'm sure there was some learning that went on with that, in addition to helping Jalen Hurts develop into the passer that he has become. So my confidence level, as as much as it can be for a new coach with no play calling experience, is, is, about, is about as high as it can be. <clears throat> as far as Sean Desai goes, I think that's going to be a much more open question. How much will his defense look like Jonathan Gannon's defense? We don't want it to look a whole lot like Jonathan Gannon's defense, but we do know he is inspired by Vic Fangio. So there are going to be some aspects of that. I, I think there there has got to be a middle ground between like an all-out blitzing defense and what we saw from Jonathan Gannon last year. And that's really what I want. I want a defensive coordinator who's flexible. I want a defensive coordinator whose game plan can adjust to the team that they're playing. I want a defensive coordinator who can utilize the advantages that you have. I don't think that Ganathan did a good enough job utilizing the advantages that he had at cornerback last year. The middle of the field was too wide open, and that's why I thought Darius Slay and James Bradbury didn't get the interception opportunities that they otherwise might. It was way too easy for teams to keep the ball in the middle of the field. I would like to see Sean Desai use those cornerbacks, funnel, try and do their best to funnel the ball to the outside to allow their cornerbacks who are elite and we're paying them as elite players to make elite plays. I don't think they were given that opportunity as much last year as they should have. Now, here's my concern with that, uh, John. Um, and, you know, statistics are what they are. The Eagles had the number one passing defense in the NFL last season. If you use any advanced number, they were top five. Um, how, how much can poor Sean Desai improve on that? Um, especially losing C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Marcus Epps, mm-hmm. um, and in theory, you know, probably going to have a rookie. If, if I if I were a betting man, I'd say Sidney Brown is is going to start uh, probably next to Terrell Edmonds. Uh, Reed Blankenship sort of sort of the safety plan there. Um, 
the corners are the corners and they've got more depth at corner. Mm-hmm. But, you know, James Bradbury had a career year and he's had a good career and he had a career year. Um, second team, all pro uh, slay slay was slay was better early than late. Abonte probably played the best he's ever played. Now was mm-hmm. injured quite a bit. So if he can stay healthy, that would help. But just from a pure efficacy standpoint, I'm using that word too much today, but I apologize. Um, How much better could it possibly get? And my concern is the expectations. Mm -hmm. Like, I get, you know, you win the Super Bowl, but you got to get to the Super Bowl. Right. And that is kind of harder even than, than winning the game believe it or not. So um, I, I'm concerned about poor Sean Desai coming in here with these unrealistic expectations. Is that a worthy concern? I, I think so, um, especially because so much of your high-impact talent that you added on the draft was on the defensive side of the ball. They really made a concerted effort to, to focus on that area, and I think the perception is that the Eagles got a lot of star players in this draft and that they're going to play like star players in, in year one. And that shouldn't be the expectation. I think you're right. We, we need to, we need to understand Jalen, uh, 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 Jalen Carter is not going to be Javon Hargrave in year one. I think he will be better than Javon Hargrave very soon because Javon Hargrave is getting older and he, and Carter's just starting his career. But in 2023, would I would bet I would bet all the money that I've got on on Hargrave being a more productive player than than Carter here in in 2023. Um, and again, we don't know. So I do think you're right. I, I think there are maybe some unrealistic expectations on Sean Desai's defense, but I do think they also are still loaded on the defensive line. I think the sack numbers are not going to reach 70, but they still should be among the league leaders in sacks. They still should be a top three team in in terms of of, of total sacks this year. And I think they could. In the second half of the season, we saw the turnovers kind of disappear. And we know turnovers are kind of luck based and they're they they fluctuate wildly. I think they could I think they could get more out of the cornerbacks than they got last season. So I think that I think the defensive line will continue to pressure the quarterback and that can still create opportunities. I don't know how much Jonathan Gannon had to do with those defensive linemen getting pressure last year. He wasn't a guy who did a lot of stunts. He didn't do a lot of creative things on the defensive front. He basically just told those guys to go get the quarterback, and they largely did. So um, I think that's a fair thing. I think worrying about Sean Desai and, and over overvaluing what he has and, and, and all that is, is legit. But I still, think it's, I still think we should have the expectation that this will be a good defense this year. If easier equals success, I'll take easier every day of the week. So I got no problems mm-hmm. with that. Jonathan yeah. Gannon designed those 70 sacks. They yeah. got them. That's all I care about. Sure. But speaking of the former Eagle defensive coordinator, let me revisit this with you one time. I'll play Roger Goodell. You play Jeff Flory. Okay, John? All right. Do I get his uh, money? Yeah, you do. Whatever <laughs> awesome. you need to, to, right, to make this scenario work in your head. Julian, uh, you got to get rid of Julian, John. Yeah, All right, I'll do my best. If you can send Julian on a Howie Roseman-like uh, during the Chip <laughs> Kelly era vacation, you got the spot. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, it's Raj. How are you, buddy? I'm great, bud. Good. Uh, I know we talked about that whole Kansas City opening game thing, and you said you'd sign on for it. Thank you very much for that, by the way. But we're thinking about going in a potential other direction for KC the first week. Uh, so I, I may or may not hold you to accepting playing the Chiefs in week one. So I feel badly because I kind of offered now I'm pulling it off the table. 
let me throw you a different scenario. How would you like to open up at home rather than on the road? And we'll send the Arizona Cardinals into your mm. place. And, <laughs> and they might not have Kyler Murray race. So you could be facing David Blau week one or at worst Colt <laughs> McCoy week one. And your fans can acknowledge Jonathan Gannon when he makes his quasi triumphant <clears throat> return to your bar. Would you prefer that Jeffrey? If, if you tell me I offered you the chiefs and you want the chiefs and uh, bang the desk, you got the chiefs, but I'm giving you a, a different scenario. Would you like to play Jonathan Gannon and the Cardinals week one? All right. See, now you're asking me to be Jeff Lurie. And if I'm yes. Jeff Lurie, I'm probably saying I I'm I would rather play the Chiefs week really? one B- because because of the financial aspect of it. I, I think, you know, he wants to own the team and it's in a marquee like you're the fo- you're going to be the highlight of week one. I think Jeffrey Lurie would would want that because I don't know. I mean, we've heard the reports about how upset people are inside the Eagles with with how things shook down with Jonathan Gannon. But that's a guy they wanted to keep. At the yes, end of the season, did everyone is, forget that? By the way, I mean it's crazy. So I don't know that Jeffrey Lurie has the same animosity towards Jonathan Gannon that the rest of us do. As a fan, would I love to get Jonathan Gannon in Philadelphia on Week One with a weak quarterback? Absolutely, absolutely, I'd love to do that. Get the get the season started off right with the Boo Parade. I think that would be beautiful. Yeah. If I'm Jeffrey Lurie, I think I'm sticking with the Chiefs Week One. Good answer. Uh, yeah. Don't even get me started with that story, John. There's so many holes in it. Oh. It doesn't make sense. The big Fangio part is the most amazing part of it, but the calendar doesn't match up. But Adam Schefter says it. Hey, Adam's great. Tremendous. Nobody's better. But I'm not afraid to say it. He got that one wrong. That's bullshit. All you got to do is look at the calendar. Big Fangio agreed to be the defensive coordinator in Miami on January 29th. If that date is familiar to Eagles fans, because that was the date of the NFC championship game <laughs> long before any of the tampering started, yeah. uh, which basically was a Monty Osenford didn't understand. Oh, you can have a second interview. Shane Steichen interviewed after uh, the NFC championship game, but that was allowed because that was mm. the second interview it was the first for Jonathan Gannon. Anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, I'll end it here with you at John Stolness. Bleeding Green Nation does a tremendous job there. Um, Phillies, uh, they're going to get it going. They're gonna get, I still weekend, think they're going to. I still think they're going to out talent people. Long season, yeah. so we'll get that uh, sneak in for the Phillies. Uh, the good bite, um, but for the Eagles. I want to add a quarterback. It's not important, but I think it was a little surprising because, um, you know, the Eagles went out and got Marcus Mariota to, to be the backup quarterback. And I think a lot of people rightfully so brought up, well, he could at least sort of replicate what Jalen Hurts does. He can't mm-hmm. do it as well, but he can sort of replicate the, the RPOs, the zone reads. Ian Bolt can do it as well, at least at a much lower level. Did it in college. Um, the guy they drafted six foot six statuesque pocket quarterback Tanner McKee. What, what is going on there? Why, why Tanner McKee? You know, it's an interesting question. I think they drafted him to see if they could develop him into something to then move him at some point. You know, I, I don't think, 
this doesn't feel like a guy that they drafted with the thought that he will really play meaningful snaps for the Eagles. So maybe you get him in some of these um, these preseason games where none of the starters play anyway. And he's looking, you know, he has a couple of second halves over the next couple of years in these preseason games where he looks really, really good. Um, I've, you know, I know Brandon Lee Gotten with Bleeding Green Nation. I was talking to him the other day and he says, you know, the tape on this guy actually looks like he can throw the football quite a little yes. bit. And so he gets better. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, so he can, so there's but a there's long term, John. Yeah, he's not yeah. going to play this year, but no, Marcus no. is only going to be here for, uh, for a year in theory. Mm-hmm. You need a backup next year, uh, mm-hmm. 20, what year? <laughs> 2024. Um, you know, he could be the backup by 2024 or not. Yeah, he, he, I don't know. I mean, he's a late round pick. Um, I mean, Brock Purdy did it. So you you could you can't say because he's a late round quarterback that he can't be a productive NFL player and he can't be a, a backup or even a good starter. So I won't I won't poo poo that. Um, and we also kind of have to see how this new Eagles coaching staff, you know, how it all breaks down, how the new quarterbacks coach is going to work with guys. And it is a different skill set. I, I also don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that you have a quarterback with a different skill set than your starter. If your starter is going to be out for a while and you have the pieces around that quarterback to actually play a different style. If your coaching staff can call a different style of play, I think this Eagles offensive line is good enough to do more traditional pass blocking um, and, and run blocking, but it would be, it would be, it would be different. So I think this is more about the future. And I think if you're thinking about, well, who would the backup quarterback be next year, you go out and you sign a Marcus Mariota like guy again next year, or you use next, next year's draft to maybe go get a guy in the fourth or fifth round when you've got more picks and, and maybe you can feel a little bit more free to spend one on a quarterback earlier. Let us not forget that in 2020, when Eagles uh, drafted Jalen Hurts, they had the unstoppable Nate Sudfeld. And they That's said, true. No, we'll, That's we'll true. go get ourselves. Another 6'6 yeah. guy, by the way, Nate Sudfeld. Yeah. The yeah. Nate could move a little bit better than the quarterback they drafted yesterday, but uh, we're not even going to argue that. All right, last thing for me, John. John and I talked about this in our first segment. little crystal ball stuff for you. All right. When the season is over and done with, factoring in whatever missed time due to injury you feel you must for either of the two players, who's going to have more carries at the end of the year, Rashad Penny or DeAndre Swift? Hmm. I think it will probably – that's a good question. I think probably Rashad Penny, just because I think Swift is a better pass-catching receiver uh, as a running back. So I think – I think Penny will get more straight up rushing attempts overall touches. I think Swift might finish with more overall touches because I think he's going to do more for, for you out of the passing game. Um, you know, Swift is one of those kind of boomer bust guys in a lot of ways like Miles Sanders, but I, you know, he, he can break some big runs for you, but I think that Swift gives you that element as a receiver out of the backfield that on screen passes and stuff like that, that I, I don't think Penny necessarily does. And I think Penny is a better, has proven to be a more consistent runner on the ground when he's healthy. So I think, I think in, in running, running plays, I think Penny will get more carries. I think Swift will finish the year with more touches overall, if that makes sense. Always a pleasure, my friend, John Stolis. Read him at Bleeding Green Nation. Check out his Eye on the Enemy football podcast or his Good Fight Baseball podcast. Hit and see. Always a pleasure whenever we get you on. And damn, you look good compared to the two of us. He's, he's, <laughs> we got we to gotta stop getting these young guys on the show. To act. Yeah, it's the filter like, on the camera. That's all. It's just yeah. the filter. Yeah. 
You, you got a dog at the house? We had Kemsky on yesterday. He introduced us to his dog. You got a dog? I do, but he's he's downstairs sleeping. So it's. Right. He's, I'll bring him up next time. Man, <laughs> mandatory attendance from your dog next time. Sounds Johnny, good. always great. Thanks for coming on, brother. We'll touch back Thanks, in John. a couple of weeks. Thanks, guys. John Stoneless, Bleeding Green Nation, here with us on Birds 365. Yeah, we can make it dog week. Your dog around or is your dog upstairs? She's Jeffrey? sleeping too. Uh, okay. I like it when she sleeps through the show. Sometimes she wakes up a little too early and she does not want to wait to go out. Uh, uh, yeah, my, my dog came down yesterday. She never comes down when the show is on. I guess I forgot to close the door. She came down and said, yeah, you're being you're being a bad dad, dad here, buddy. You got to get me out. Yeah. Uh, so we, keep, we try and keep our dogs in check, but sometimes they just intimate themselves into the show. All right, we've still got an hour of show to do. He's McMullen. I'm McDonald. Rick Saratella, NFL Draft Bible, coming up in 20. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island so leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at Drytech. 
At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing, the second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs, and then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. appreciate John Stolnes whenever he hops aboard and joins the show. Uh, first hour, I asked you about the running back position. Just asked John about it, how he thinks the carries are going to uh, work themselves out in replacement of Miles Sanders. Interesting argument. Don't don't count carries, count touches. Uh, we'll see if uh, the, the pass-catching aspect of DeAndre Swift's game is taken advantage of. I know you said this, and I agreed with you on the show. It's just not going to be a big thing in the Eagles offense while Jalen Hurts is their quarterback. That's not what he does. That's not how their offense runs. They're not going to have designated passes out of the backfield or running backs in slots. It just, it is what it is. I'm not going to say they're never going to use it, but it's not going to be a big part of the Eagle offense when Jalen is the QB. Uh, Instead of RBs, I want to talk about DBs here. Eagles had a bunch of guys both in the draft and their undrafted free agent signings during this offseason. More than linebackers, even though they had a bigger need at linebacker than they did for DBs, but they brought in a bunch of DBs because they, again, put value on that position. Uh, Here's the question I have for you, John. And again, maybe I'm too old school and I don't understand this. The ability for a player to change position at uh, cornerback slash defensive back in the National Football League in 2023. The Eagles are not alone in that they like guys who can play both safety and slot corner. It used to be in the National Football League, if you're a corner, you're a corner, and if you're a safety, you're a safety. And other than Ronnie Lott, the two don't really meet. They don't, they don't overlap. The corners were corners and safeties were safeties, but now... A safety should be able to be a slot corner. A slot corner should be able to go back and play safety. And you don't ask too many slot corners to go outside. God forbid you ever ask them to go outside and cover (laughs) a wide receiver. When and how did that change? First of all, uh, if you agree with me, please say so. If you don't, please tell me I'm just flat out wrong. But if, if I'm reading this right, when did that happen? And why did it happen in the National Football League? It has. I mean, when did it happen? You know, it's kind of hard to point. I mean, the game as a whole has gotten much more specialized, um, more matchup driven. um, And um, as the offenses became more matchup driven, 
bringing up Jim Schwartz too much today. Jim would always tell me, you know, de- defense is reactionary. You got to react to what the offense is doing. So that's kind of, you know, it's kind of served up to you what you have to do uh, to match up with what they're doing. Um, you know, Avante Maddox is a, a perfect example here in Philadelphia. For those who forget, you know, he played outside cornerback the one year and it was not good. Um, um, he did not play well. I remember Howie Roseman before the season saying he had some close to your heart, some Aaron Glenn traits. who was a short corner, uh, who was a really good player for a long time. Um, you know, different game when he got the Mike Evans of the world out there, out outside the numbers, and um, it's really difficult to deal with those guys when you're five foot nine, um, and they move him inside, and he's a really good player. I mean, he's one of the best five nickel slot corners in football, and he's one of the worst five outside cornerbacks, at least if you go by PFF as far as uh, gradings go, and that's sort of the the, the swing you have. There's a couple guys, um, but there aren't many, and they seem to be getting less and less. I know uh, Murphy from Arizona last year sort of played outside and inside. He's got that ability, but I can't think of many. Um, Now, there's a couple guys that travel, um, and, and again, it's all dependent on scheme, right? This scheme is looking for a specific – you mentioned those mirrored players. You don't need that in, in certain other schemes, um, and they'll go to more traditional route of, of safety versus corner. So in the Bangio scheme, it's really important to have those mirrored players. Um, so part of it is dependent and, – and if they go back to a Jim Swartz era of defense, the, it'll change a little bit where they had – you know, Jim was willing to use uh, Malcolm Jenkins in a, in a, you know, he played seven different positions. Um, you ain't going to see that in this defense. I'll tell you that. So it, it it's dependent on scheme as well. But the league as a whole, yeah, it's gotten more specialized. And that's everything. Um, except offensive line and quarterback. Now, we have uh, talked plenty about the Eagles linebackers and or the lack thereof, depth, depth, and even if their starters are good enough to start. We assume the Eagles are going to be very good at cornerback next year with Bradbury coming back. Hopefully he has a good a year as he did this past year. Slay coming back. Hopefully he can be a little more consistent over the year. Great in the first half, not as good in the second half. Injury included in the second half, but again, you can't control injuries. And Maddox being as good as he is at uh, the the slot. Do you like their depth at cornerback? Um, they signed Greedy Williams. They've got Zach McPherson. I like uh, it a lot more than I did um, with Ringo. And they they brought in talent. Like, they didn't have guys who, who had the traits to do it last year. Like, if something happened, and luckily, luckily it didn't slay in Bradbury played every game uh again the health standpoint of it i would have not been comfortable with zach mcpherson coming in and you got to see a little bit of zach again i think zach is better suited to play inside i think he could be a good slot corner 
I don't think he could be a good outside corner. Um, w- Williams, you know, disappointment in Cleveland, but he's got the traits to do it. Um, Ringo's got the traits off the charts to do it. Does that mean they're going to play well right away? Probably not, but I'm, I feel more comfortable that at least they have the guys who have the physical ability to play the position. And a lot comes into it. Communication is huge in this defense, too huge. It's the reason I hate the scheme But when I get criticized. Jody, you're one of the few people that know because you're forced to listen to me every day. <laughs> you probably don't want to listen to me, but you're forced to listen to me every day. How many times have I said I hate this scheme? Yeah. I, I, I mean, nobody hears it. No, nobody. And the reason I hate this scheme is because it puts too much on the defensive backfield from a communication standpoint, especially with younger players, especially with the younger players. You saw Darius Slay, James Bradbury, who are two of the savviest corners in the NFL. Um, You know, Marcus Epps, high football IQ, younger player, but high football IQ, CJ. might be loud, but high football IQ. Um, the Eagles built it that way, I think, for a reason. I think Howie built it that way for a reason. And I constantly say, why did the Eagles play the Fangio defense better than anybody else who plays the Fangio defense last year? And to me, the biggest part of it, yeah, the pass rush is huge. I'm not going to downplay it. But the biggest part of it is they communicated so well and I always point out blown coverages everywhere on these Fangio defenses, all over the place, just ugly blown coverages because they're not communicating. The Eagles do it, 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 crap to bed in the final 30 minutes. And that's with all these football-savvy, high-IQ guys, and they still crap to bed at the end of the day because there's too much on the plate of, of these players in this defense. Now, you turn that from Slay and Bradbury to Ringo and Williams, ooh, you're going to see some blown coverages. Yeah, probably. Um, certainly the two uh, walk-in touchdowns against Kansas City in the second half are the most uh, blatant examples thereof. I think back to third and 30 against the Cowboys, too, getting your uh, – your, your, your nickel guy to, to be back deep in coverage didn't make any sense, but that was the play and they didn't communicate it. And the Cowboys were able to convert. So you're right. It's both uh, the, the ability to communicate between the guys. And the reason that I, I don't dislike it as much as you do. I don't know if anybody dislikes it as much as you do, but I, I, I would question it from time to time during the year is because what the master says when he was different, when he was the cutting edge guy, when he was the defense that people didn't recognize because nobody in the National Football League played it that way, then it was great. Then teams didn't have an answer for it. But now it seems like about at least a third, if not sneaking up on a half of the teams in the National Football League, play the Fangio defense. Well, now everybody's prepping for it every other week. So it isn't as big a surprise. It still keeps the element of, trying to 
keep your defense under wraps until the very last second so the quarterback doesn't know exactly what's coming their way. But if you're going to do it that way, you're right. Communication is an absolute must. Everybody's got to be on the exact same page. Responsibilities change. When it works, it's great to the tune of 70 sacks. When it doesn't, there are big plays and there are ugly plays that happen against it. And we got a new guy calling it this year for uh, the the disdain that the majority of this town has for Jonathan Gannon. Gannon had a damn good defensive year. This defense put up real numbers. You know, you know, you know, the Bick is the godfather of the modern NFL defense, as you mentioned. Um, you know, he's never he's he topped out at number three. Uh, 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 in his top defense, never had the number two defense in the NFL. Um, and I don't think he ever had the top uh, top five talented defense. That's why Fangio gets the kind. Well, of he had a pretty game. talented group in Chicago with Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks and Eddie Jackson. He had a pretty talented group in Chicago, and they were really good. They were really good defensively. That's where he kind of took off. Uh, but you know, again, Khalil Mack was Defensive Player of the Year. Um, phenomenal pass rusher. Akeem Hicks is, I don't know if anybody saw Akeem Hicks in his prime. He was the closest thing to unblockable this side of Aaron Donald. Uh, Eddie Jackson was a perfect safety for that uh, defense, for this defense. Um, They had a really, really good defense. And that's where he he took off. Um, And San Francisco as well, but um, which has had seemingly a good defense forever. Um, and they continue to have a good defense. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that defense was really good last year. And people are focusing on 30 minutes. And I get why, but that's what I was talking about with John Stolness. Expectations are unrealistic, Jody. Oof. Unrealistic. Uh, and they will not be dropped. I it... I know the Philadelphia fan base too well. They're not going to go, we got to cut this guy a little slack. He's new. He's learned. No, 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 no. The only thing that will be acceptable is a trip back to the Super Bowl led by the defense. And oh, by the way, the Super Bowl is 60 minutes in case everybody forgot. It's not 30, it's 60. And we expect the defense to play to that level. Yeah. Uh, John Desai is walking into very high expectations on this defense. And as John Stone has pointed out exactly right, during this offseason, they've certainly put more, they might put more money into the offense, a.k.a. Jalen Hurts' contract extension, as far as acquisition and player changes and upgrades. <laughs> they've done more to do so for the defense. Not I had to because they had more losses on the defense, walking away via free agency and the like. But uh, John uh, Sean Desai is going to be expected to upgrade the defense, make the defense better than it was last year, which was the number one defense. So uh, good luck with that, Sean. All right, Jody Mac, Johnny Mac, we got the Mac and Mac guys here. Uh, we're going to take one step back to the draft. We haven't had our buddy Rick Saratella on since the draft came down. He and his draft Bible uh, give us both the Eagle read and the entire National Football League on the draft. Coming back here on Birds 365. Stay with us. Weather forecasting is a team game. We rely on each other every day, updating the models and passing along new critical information. We have a team of five experienced meteorologists and a specialized weather producer, Paul. Say hi, Paul. 
Sometimes when I see in the model, Cecily could see something different. That's when we come together as a team to make our most accurate prediction. And all of this backed by more than 100 AccuWeather scientists. It's a team game. And we have the best team in town. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Celebrating the life of your loved one is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givnish. When the matriarch of the Dalloway family died suddenly at 82 years old, Life Celebrations by Givnish stepped in. They will make this the easiest thing that you, it's, it's, I know it's not easy, but it, they will make this as easy as possible. Life Celebrations by Givnish, customizing services as unique as the individual. I, I just know that my dad, who is in charge of everything, was it was not in charge of anything at that point when, when my mom passed. And uh, um, again, just another uh, shout out to this place for, for making it easy. Turning tragedy into a celebration of life, no matter how hard, is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givnish. Life Celebrations by Givnish, customizing services as unique as the individual. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Appreciate you joining here on Birds 365 with Mac and Mac. We got another familiar face to join us here on Birds 365. He's taken a couple of deep breaths since the draft. Oh, he's already putting mocks out for 2024 because it is a 365 business that he's in. One of the best draft uh, analysts that I know, Rick Saratella. NFL Draft Bible, all access, football, uh, substack.com if you want to get Ricky stuff. We're going to get a whole bunch of it out of him right now. I'm going to uh, start Rick- calling Rick the king of swag. I'm going to get the NFL what, PA. What's the hat? What's the hat? Uh, New uh, Jersey Generals, I believe, is the hat. Um, what do we What have we got with the with the the green screen? What What are the two X's? What you, you know? The, so, guys, this this is the Draft Bible 20th anniversary there we logo. Go. Yes, which I didn't use too much. Which was actually last year, and I didn't get a lot of run out of it. So, I said, ah, hey, gotcha. Let me, put, really? let me dust the. Uh, the old 20-year nice. anniversary since nice. this will be 22 now. So maybe a last uh, cameo from the 20-year anniversary. But, yeah, we got the NFL like PA Bowl. We had six, 16 guys drafted. We're proud about that. 
Very nice. And uh, always representing New Jersey, guys, as you know. Yes. There yes. you go. He's a and Danucci, guy. by the way, getting a trial. And Danucci, baby. Seattle, <laughs> Seattle Sea Dragons, right? He's uh-huh. working out with the Broncos today, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, a bunch of XFL guys are getting snatched up for tryouts. I uh, thought they so did a far. good job. Yeah. 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 All right, Ricky. Uh, we've been given our Eagle grades. We've been getting guys coming on, giving Eagle grades. Uh, some people handle grades differently and look at it differently. Three days worth of transactions. How would you rate what Howie Roseman accomplished? Well, you know, listen, I disclaimer, right? you got to gauge how you think somebody did. And so ABC is an easy way to kind of determine like, Hey, this is our initial reaction, but let's be honest. We won't know five years from now. I thought it was interesting. What is it? The uh, 2018 class, only 12 fifth year options were exercised. Yeah. 2020, 2020. Yeah. The Jalen Rager class. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, so, that tells you like, Hey, we can't really draw any conclusions, but I got to say guys, I mean, uh, I, I'm no Eagles fan as you guys know, but I, I gave kudos to Howie Roseman. It's the only a that I dished out. I just think they made a, a huge impact, upgraded their team significantly. This was a team that was in the super bowl, a team that if they got that last possession, I believe would have won the super bowl. And so it's hard not to like what they did and we can break down the picks any which way you want. Yeah, before we get to that, Rick, you bring up that 2020 class. I do think it's, a, you know, it's a cautionary tale. Uh, as you mentioned, 12 guys got their fifth-year option picked up. Um, and everybody's excited. You know, that happens every year. Optimism. There's 31 first-round picks this year because of Miami. Um, everybody thinks they got a great player, but history tells us they didn't. Uh, and there's going to be some bad picks, some good picks, uh, and some picks in between. So I don't know your process. My process for reading drafts, which I hate, is I, I sort of grade decisions. Like Brad Holmes out in Detroit. He might have gotten two great players. I don't know. Jamar Gibbs at 12. Uh, Jack Campbell, I think, was 18. They might be great players, but those are bad decisions. Uh, uh, the, the value of those positions at those picks do not match up for me. Is that, how, are you just about the players or do you bring in the decision making? No, it's all about team philosophy building. So let's, let's spend a second on the lions, right? They, they misplayed the Jamal uh, Williams contract, right? So they, they bought, they botched that negotiation. They let him walk out the door. They basically signed David Montgomery for the same money, if not more. But wait a second. Then you go and draft. Like, if you knew Jameer Gibbs was your target on day one, that's not a snap reaction. That's something you've probably planned and considered targeting. So now you've let the heart and soul of your offense walk out the door. You paid the same kind of rate for a lesser player. You drafted a running back too high. Then you gave up DeAndre Swift, 10 cent on the dollar. And again, like, not to like, throw rose petals at Howie Roseman, right? But I went back, I looked at the Miles Sanders contract. Miles Sanders is going to earn the same amount of money as Rashard Penny, DeAndre Swift, Kenneth Gainwell, and Boston Scott combined, okay? So that's, to your point, complete mismanagement. The Jets, what a debacle. Sorry, Jody. I mean, you get Aaron Rodgers, and you don't get him any weapons. You don't get him any protection. I mean, what a blown opportunity. Wasn't the whole point? 
was to ride this Aaron Rodgers wave, and you did absolutely nothing to help him out. Like to me, that was. That, what do you that, mean they got him Randall Cobb and uh, they're bringing in all his buddies? Uh, yeah, right. And, and yeah. listen, listen. Let me tell you something about the Cardinals too. I like what they did, and to me, going back to the team building philosophy in the draft. I want elite talent. I want to build a team with blue chippers. Yeah. To me, great. You 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 acquired all these future picks, and you got Darnell right. Okay. You got BJ Ojulari. Okay. You gave up Will Anderson for these guys. Oh, you're so, talking yeah, Chicago. You got a Chicago. Good starters, but you gave up the best player in the deal. And to me, that's the whole point of the draft is to accumulate the top tier talent. All right. Yeah, this, this is Birds three sixty five. So we're gonna stick with the Eagles, but you're just flat out wrong. The Jets had weapons. They didn't have the quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. Aaron Rodgers will lift all those Jet weapons. That Garrett Wilson's Mr. gonna be scary with Aaron Rodgers throwing them the football. I agree with Jody there. Garrett Wilson is gonna be scary, and they've they've got talent uh, in their running back. I know he's coming back from an injury, but Brees Hall be just fine. Um, but back to the Eagles. Here's where I need to ask you, Rick, because you come up with your rankings rating, where they should fall, giving them a specific uh, where they're going to be picked off the board grade and rating. We believe that the Eagles got Jalen Carter later than he should have gotten. He should have been a top two or three pick. He goes at nine. They get Nolan Smith at number 30 when he should have been somewhere between 10 and 15. They get uh, Tyler Steen as a third-round draft pick when most people had a second-round grade for him. They get Sidney Brown. Sidney was probably the one who was probably closer. But if, if anything, if you had to say was lower or higher, again, he went uh, later than people thought. And certainly Ringo, some people had first-round grades on him, and they got him in the fourth. Mama Mac, my mother used to tell me all the time, if it looks too good to be true, chances are it's not true. But this is true. We know where the Eagles got these guys. How did they get such great value on their draft picks, their first four? You know, I think very few teams actually stay true to the board and let the board play to them. Howie Roseman has been someone that, A, does take best player available. They didn't really need a defensive tackle, did they? And, two, he he also – last year they didn't draft a quarterback, but every other year they have. Now they did sign Carson Strong to the highest – undrafted contract we talked about that but they take a developmental quarterback whether you like that or not because that is what draft equity he knows he could flip that down the line but to your point i mean listen jalen carter went why because of the off-field concerns so to me that was the biggest risk reward roll of the dice to me that's the biggest payoff though is jalen carter is the most talented player nolan smith he slid why because he didn't play this year so we're projecting him into this Hassan Reddick type of role we didn't really see him in that role at Georgia we just know like a Trayvon Walker we're betting on those traits that we're going to coach that out of him right so Tyler Steen I thought was tremendous value Kaylee Ringo to your point what was it the shoulder was uh I think he got the the medical red flag he got the call call back to Indianapolis and so you get a guy that was arguably a first round talent in round four and I don't want to gloss over Sidney Brown because I think he's a better player than Reed Blankenship. I think he's going to come in and compete for a starting job with a third-round yeah. pick. And Tyler Steen, you know, Jody, I was on your uh, WIP show. I know we didn't get a talk chance to talk about Steen, but to me, it, it's still Cam Jurgens is the successor to Jason Kelsey. 
okay? Because Kelsey said it himself. Had we won, I'm probably not back, okay? So to me, you've got the successor in place. Cam Jurgens coming out was very similar <clears throat> to Jason Kelsey coming out. So to me, that that is still the succession plan. And Tyler Steen went down to the Senior Bowl and maybe was the most impressive-looking guard out there. So to me, that installed a lot of confidence. And the buzz that I spoke to with the scouts down there, they felt like Steen was a future starter. So I think, again, to me, Steen is going to be the preference to plug in at, at right guard, eventually pl- move, slide him over to right tackle maybe. And Cam Jurgens to me, is still break glass in case of emergency. Yeah, I think long-term, no question about it. And if you look at the Eagles' uh, recent history, they like big bodies at right guard. Brandon Brooks, uh, tremendous player. Isaac Sayamalo, um, even Landon Dickerson, people forget. Um, there was an injury to Brandon Brooks. He played right guard first, and then Isaac got hurt. Then he went to left guard. He was so good, they just left him there. But they always want these big bodies at, at guard. They're they're okay. Cam Cherrick is a little bit undersized. Um, he's not that giant big body. And Sidney Brown, you mentioned, I'm with you. If I'm a betting man, he's going to be one of the Eagles' starting safeties week one. These are third-round picks, though. Early third-round picks, but third-round picks. If I told you both were going to start week one, what's your comfort level? I'm comfortable with Brown. I think there, you know, is a little bit easier transition there. Uh, Ringo, to me, you saw not Ringo Steen because oh, Ringo Steen. they don't they don't need Ringo to play because they have Slam yeah, okay. Sure, but stay they might Steen they might need to play. Well, well, to me, like Sidney Brown, he can play free. He can play strong. He would have to slide into the free safety spot, which, you know, I like him more in the box. So I think he's a little bit more vulnerable at free. He can do it. Steen, I I think he's battle tested. This guy's a proven starter at the SEC level. I feel good about what I saw down in Mobile. And and to me, I would feel good about Steen. I would feel uh, very confident that he could step in there and compete from week one. Sidney Brown, I think, you know, Blankenship, Somewhat, I, w- I would imagine, going to be similar system, has that um, comfort level in year two. But I think Sidney Brown, I think he's going to be a fan favorite. Just his blue-collar mentality, uh, the, the the Canadian sensation, I like to call him his backstory, mm-hmm. I think yeah. uh, uh, endears himself to the fan base, and they're going to love this young man. Let me ask you about Steen, uh, because correct me if I'm wrong, but he played exactly – Zero guard at Alabama, correct? He was a tackle his entire time in college football. And you're telling us, yeah, but someone had the bright idea of working him out at guard at the senior bowl this year. Good for him. I think it was a smart move. I'm not questioning you. I'm just saying somebody came up with that idea because he had never played. Maybe it's, oh, my God, he's an inch and a half short on his arm length. We we must move him to guard because he doesn't have those monmouth uh, long arms. Are they banking more on what he did in the one week at the Senior Bowl or the fact that Jeff Stoutland's going to wave his magic wand and whatever Stoutland says goes at Stoutland University, he can transform any player to any different position? Why do you think the Eagles are as gung-ho as him becoming a guard as they are? 
Well, you know, I think we've seen this transition, and you're right. It's usually the tackles that kick inside are usually because of a deficiency, and I think with Steen, he doesn't meet the cutoff 34-inch requirement, right? But if you go back, like Isaac Sayamalu, who had a chance to scout out at Oregon State, he was playing left tackle. He was playing center. Played everywhere. Playing, yeah. You know, yeah. he was everywhere. So Stoutland, like if anybody, <laughs> if anybody's going to uh, be able to make that transition smooth, I think it's Stoutland U. So I think they're banking yeah. on Stoutland. They're banking on the track record. And I think you do. I mean, like, listen, senior ball, he, he's not, he's not uh, going, going up against Joey bag of donuts down there in mobile now. So, I yeah. mean, I, I think it, it does hold some kind of credence and, mm-hmm. you know, he's battle tested. You do it weekend, week, multiple years, starter three or four years in the sec. I think there's something to be said for that. By the way, a quick story about Isaac. Because uh, you, you made me smile there, Rick. Is uh, he played every position at Oregon State, but left guard. Um, and where the Eagles start him, left guard <laughs> at first. And then he moved. He played every position during his rookie season uh, with the Eagles because of injury and tight end. And he was an extra tight end. He was one of the most versatile offensive linemen they've ever had. Um, and they felt comfortable playing them everywhere. That's rare, though. I, I do think people put, you know, thinking Jeff can create anything out of anything. Uh, they're got, like, you know, Andre well, we Diller, saw the crossbreed, perfect... though. We saw the crossbreed. Yeah. Like, we saw Jurgens at guard last year, but we said, yeah. okay, he's a center. I think you'll see Steen, like, long term, I think he'll get every opportunity to maybe kick over and replace Lane Johnson. But in the meantime, Let's try him out of guard. And if not, we got a pretty good contingent. But I bring up Andre because he Andre Diller, tremendous talent, but he yeah. could move anywhere. You know, he, he was comfortable left tackle. He was not comfortable doing anything else. So uh, he, he, he can't just create something out of nothing is what I'm trying to say, even sure. if you're Jeff Stoutland. Uh, but NFC East, I want to shift it towards the whole. We haven't really gotten into it with a lot of our guests, so I want to get your thoughts. I was not impressed. I think the Giants did a pretty good job. Dallas, Washington, boy, I, I think they both reached for their first-round picks. Massey Smith is a, a physical freak, but I don't know. He looks to me like a two-down player. Um, Emmanuel Forbes, a playmaker, but, boy, that was early uh, with some of the corners that were on the board. What are your thoughts on those NFC East drafts? I'm probably a little bit higher on Mazzy Smith than you. Uh, I like them because, remember, they 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 were uh, signing bodies off the streets that just couldn't get the job done. So I thought they shored up. They, they plugged the need there. And you didn't hear – like, we feel like it's a reach because he wasn't mentioned in the mock drafts. And that's probably stemming from his off-the-field incident. He got pulled over for speeding, had an unregistered gun – and so, like, a lot of people were scared to put him in the mock. That doesn't scare Dallas, right? So, to me, I think Mazzy Smith's going to be a really good player for them. Now, Shoemaker at, at 58, to me, like, they got they got leapfrogged, right? Buffalo jumped them at 25, one pick, to take Dalton Kincaid. Kincaid was their guy. So, they got leapfrogged by the Bills. They panicked in round two with Shoemaker, who's a great blocker, inline guy. But they got Ferguson, who does that. And to me, like, Shoemaker's like a, a, a movement piece. Like, he's not really a huge, huge threat in the passing game. 
So I don't think, you know, to me, Chris Vaughn making that phone call to Deuce Vaughn, that was one of my favorite. That was, yeah, moments. that was a great moment. Yeah. That was, but that I don't, was cool. I don't see, I don't see a huge impact with this Cowboys draft. Uh, with the Giants, you know, Deontay Banks fits what they want to do with Wink Martindale because he's yeah. a press man, co- cover corner. They can leave him out on the island. That's what Win- Wink Martindale wants to do. Michael Schmitz at 57, I mean, that's going to be a starting uh, plug-and-play guy for them. And he, I think he was one loss, four, four-time state champion in wrestling, one loss. I love those grapplers in the trenches, especially at center. And Jalen Hyatt, I mean, Jody, we talked about this. I'm not a huge fan. One-trick pony, pretty good trick to have is speed. And, you know, you look at the Giants wide receiver core, though, he could potentially be the wide receiver number one. So I do think, like, with the first three picks, Eric Gray in the fifth round out of Oklahoma, I think, is uh, Saquon Barkley insurance policy, right? Maybe gives him a little bit leverage and negotiations there. And then Washington, like you're seeing the NFC East is drafting corners. This Emmanuel Forbes at 16, physical, undersized, plays much bigger, weapon with the ball in his hands. Jartavius Martin was another guy that had a good senior bowl down there. So they strengthened the secondary. But outside of that, like, again, Chris Rodriguez, they draft a running back that's almost an identical player as uh, the guy they have that got shot last year, almost the same player. They already have two running backs. They're drafting another running back. Hey, maybe you should explore a quarterback, Washington. Just hang it. <laughs> yeah, uh, you and I are on the exact same page with the NFC draft. Cowboys, question marks. Redskins, what the heck? Giants, yeah, pretty good. Got to give them their props. Now, you did second guess or uh, you questioned the uh, general manager who landed the offensive rookie of the year last year and the defensive rookie of the year last year. So Joe Douglas sends his regards. And oh, by the way, <laughs> write this down. Zach Koontz, seventh round draft pick, yeah. will put up better numbers than Schoonmaker down there in Dallas as a second round draft pick. Just remember, Jody Mack said this to you, that the the Jets seventh round tight end will do better than the Cowboys second round tight end. But yeah, Joe Douglas had a bad draft. Right, Saratella. All right. Uh, who, <laughs> who, if Jody holds a grudge, Rick. He holds yeah. a grudge. Another team drafting running backs. They got they got uh, earth, wind, and fire, and they're drafting uh-huh. more running backs. All right. Uh, if the Eagles were the only A draft, who were the B-plus drafts? Who, who at least got into the neighborhood of Howie Roseman over the three days of the NFL draft? You know, to me, the two teams that really stand out in terms of, like, coming out of the draft feeling good about themselves are the Baltimore Ravens and the Seattle Seahawks. I'll I'll stick in the NFC first with the Seahawks. To me, they've recreated now this Legion of Boom part deuce in the secondary. They've got this Devin Witherspoon kid. They signed you. The the love from the Giants had 100 tackles last year. He can play safety. He can play corner. They got Tariq Woolen last year. Jamal Adams is back there. I mean, this secondary to me is incredible. Now you come back and you take the best playmaker in the draft and you pair Jackson Smith and Jigba with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Zach Charbonnet. Now you got a tough between the tackles grinder to pair with Kenneth Walker. I mean, this is an explosive offense. I think they've got arguably the best secondary in the entire National Football League. Seattle's not going anywhere. I, I like them to win. I think Seattle's better 
than San Francisco. Oh, Ooh. now you now you get into John territory. First you take the shots at my Jets, and now you're gonna get on McMullen's team that he nah. had going to the Super Bowl last year. Mark, you're not it. making friends here, Saratella. I agree. I agree with Rick that Seattle's better than people think. I I agree. I don't think they're at San Francisco's level yet, but I like they make good decisions. And by the way, experience, John Snyder, Pete Carroll. Experience, experience, experience. Howie Roseman, how does he beat all these young GMs? Experience. These guys don't get a chance to learn from their mistakes. Snyder's been there forever. Carroll's been there forever. Howie's been here forever. Why can't people figure this out? The continuity's better than the alternative, Rick. Yeah, and you look at, I mean, I don't know how long Eric DaCosta was there under Ozzie ah, Newsom, right? Yeah. Before, you know, so... And they worked they worked side by side for so long until DaCosta got that job. And so <clears> they yeah. get their, they get Lamar signed, sealed, and delivered. Say what you want about OBJ if they overpaid or not. That that to me is a high risk, but it's also a high reward because now you've got two guys, OBJ and Zay Flowers, they can line up outside, they can line up inside, they're not afraid to go over the middle. You can get them in space. That's exactly what Lamar Jackson needed to pair. Like, other than Mark Andrews, he had nobody else to throw to. All of a sudden, now they got weapons. Trenton Simpson, you pair him with Roquan Smith in the middle. Pretty good. I like this uh, Stanford corner they grabbed there in the fifth round. Blue Kelly uh, Voorhees from USC. People thought was a top 100 guy. I think he got hurt at his pro day. But you got a potential starter down the road in round seven. I think Baltimore, to me, uh, really might be the best team in the AFC. All right, I just want to go back to Seattle for a second because I agree with both of you. They they got a good young defense, and they got a chance to have a difference-making defense this year. But question for you. Who is Holton Ollers? I don't know who this individual is, and he is their third-string quarterback right now. And, oh, by the way, their second-string quarterback, I don't like a little bit. Drew Locke, and their first-string quarterback is Geno Smith, who I'm not going to take away from Had a great, great year. He had a phenomenal year. I want to see that again. Sorry, Geno. After seven years in the league, all of a sudden the light turned on and you're a top-ten quarterback? You got to reproduce that for me again. Do we know? Well, they just made the unit around them stronger, Jody. And I will say Brock Purdy with the UCL is no guarantee. It might be Sam Darnold week one. It yeah. might be Trey Lance week one. Who really knows? It might be Brandon Allen. They signed Brandon another Allen. quarterback. Hey. What the? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what. Yeah, San Francisco's got some issues at the biggest position of all, which tells you how good they are because they still find ways to win games. True. But, um, but I will say, Jody, I'm a little bit up. I'm a little disappointed, man. It means you, you didn't stay tuned to the fourth quarter of the NFL PA Bowl because had you done that... Holton you, played in the fourth quarter? Colton How did Ayler, I miss that? Colton Ehlers, not only did he win the Hula Bowl MVP, he won the NFL PA Bowl MVP. There we go. There we go. <laughs> and he's a, he's a lefty out of ECU, and uh, Holton Ehlers is a gamer. Did you say VCU or ECU? ECU. Can you count those two teams together? And maybe if you put them together, they could win some games in the ACC because they're not winning them in the SEC no matter what. All right, now now we get to the main event. 
I want the bad drafts, Rick. Who had the worst drafts? Give me two, two or three of the worst drafts. Other than the Jets, who you've already uh, carried. <laughs> no, the Jet, the Jets, the Jets weren't my worst. I had um, the Packers. I think were down there. You know, the Saints. Like, let let me pull up the Packers here and see. Uh, Van Ness, okay, I get it. High motor kind of guy. Musgrave, I actually like, but. You know, to me, you took another tight end. You took two tight ends with your top four picks. Yeah, I didn't understand that. You know, Sean. Trying to help the young quarterback. You know, security blanket, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Sean Clifford in the fifth round, that was a little bit high for my liking. Uh, Lou Nichols, I mean, I hate to to diss third day three picks, but, like, just nothing really stood out to me in terms of impact. I would have thought they wanted to build just like the Jets. I would have thought they would have wanted to build around Jordan Love. I didn't see them do that. And then the Saints, like well, two tight ends, not one tight end, two tight ends. Isn't that building around Jordan Love, giving him weapons? No. Yeah, one tight end that's coming off an injury. Another tight end that needs about fifteen to twenty pounds until he's ready for the NFL. But okay. I hear you. You know, I don't think these guys are making an immediate impact. I like Musgrave. I think. He has the frame. He's another one. He needs to bulk up and he needs to st- show he can stay healthy. Um, and then, Gerard, you know, read out. Of, I guess they did Michigan State. To me, I just felt like they could have got better impact earlier in the draft. They waited and got tier two, tier three options when they should have just early in the draft got immediate impact players. And then, you know, the Saints, I guess, you know, they went for the beef. They added two defensive linemen. Then they take Kendra Miller. That tells me that Kamara might be facing a suspension because they have a bunch of running backs there already. Um, Hainer, they took your guy, Hainer, you know. And, yeah, and when look, he's making Pro Bowl, Saratella, I'm going to expect a, an apology from you. You're on this guy, team's yeah. draft. Yeah, he loves uh, Jake he loves Hainer. Hainer. And, I, and by the way, him. you know, the Saints, remember, everybody forgets this stuff, Rick. I know you don't. The Saints should have had the 10th pick in the draft. They didn't. Uh because somebody police somebody else, but we shall remain nameless. But they should have had the tenth pick in the draft coming in. They did not. <laughs> All right, I got an interesting question for you. And again, we tap into a guy like Rick Saratella for this insight, except for his disdain for a New Jersey team. He says he's all Mr. Jersey, but he's ripping a Jersey team. Um you know why? And and again, it all depends on the picks you have, and the 49ers didn't have a first or a second round pick. But they had a bunch because they had a bunch of compensatory picks. I didn't really like anything they did with any of their picks. Now, they had at least seven, if not eight, from the third round on. I thought San Francisco, and it could only be so good when you don't have a first. They got a kicker, Jody. They got a kicker. <laughs> did they take a kicker? Oh, that's right. They took Jake Moody as their first Jake play. Moody. Yeah. So give, give me the Jake Moody plus evaluation of the San Francisco draft. No, I mean, listen, Moody's Moody's a good one. He's consistent. He's accurate from deep, you know, 99th overall. I I don't know. I mean, listen, if you need a kicker, you need a kicker. Uh, Jair Brown, 87th, you know, I thought this was good value. John Lynch knows a thing or two about safeties. I thought he pounced on an opportunity here because that 4-6-2-40, suddenly when safeties run in the 4-6s these days, we say, oh, well, you know what? He's got questionable speed. Uh, Jair Brown's a good, good, good playmaker back there. So I think he'll boost the secondary Cameron Latu out of Alabama. You know, he actually beat out Jaleel Billingsley 
who was a five-star recruit. And Latu had a great year two years ago. He battled with um, some injuries this year. But I do think like 12 personnel, when there's so much focus on George Kittle, this is a great pass-catching uh, target. So I, I think he's going to boost the offense. Uh, Luter out of South Alabama, you know, he's kind of this size, speed, small school guy. I think he's more of a developmental player. Robert Beal from uh, Georgia, more of an off-ball linebacker. I think he'll be in a rotation as a backup. But, you know, you get down into day three. Uh, Ronnie Bell, you know, to me, he hit 23 miles per hour on the catapult. To me, that's wait, 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 wait. Explain that. Yeah, so. 23 miles an hour on a catapult. So, 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 so the last five years or so, you're seeing these analytics <laughs> and people, especially these younger GMs, they value, they have the catapult device that players wear around their chest. They even have it now where it's on film. You can actually uh, do this stuff. But uh, this is something that's been going on where they've been tracking players in-game miles per hour. And some teams now value this over the 40-yard dash time. Ronnie Bell at the Senior Bowl was the fastest player in game with the ball in his hands in actual game speed, 23 miles per hour. That's that's a big number. Jeez. That's that a hey, big number. We got the Kentucky Derby this weekend, yeah. right? I mean, that, yeah. that's a solid number. So I would – and that's coming off an ACL, I think a year and a half removed from an ACL. So I would keep an eye on uh, Ronnie Bell uh, as a day three guy. No, By the no way, truth and, to the rumor that the Arizona Cardinals are going to sign Forte after he wins the Kentucky Derby coming up on Saturday. They they, they could use a little sometimes, speed. And sometimes I roll my eyes at those analytics guys, Rick, but I agree with them. I mean, on uh, in-game speed is more important than 40 speed. I, I, I kind of like that shift, and I, I hope more people – uh, take that direction, to be honest. I think it makes sense. I really do. Uh, Definitely catches your attention, right? I mean. Yeah. yeah. Well, Ricky Saratella catches our attention every time he hops on with us. All right. I got a hard copy. So sorry for the rest of you. Rick only put out put out so many, and I got one of them. Uh, but, I got one of them. Thanks, Rick. There you go. Um, out of hard copies, but if you want to go back and double check all your stuff, see if McMullen and McDonald are talking trash on Birds 365, uh, whoever you getting, you're getting your draft information from, you want to see what Ricky has to uh, say to uh, continue your argument or to tell you to pull back on your argument a little bit if you're making uh, foolish statements. Uh, like Rick did just now about the Jets. Um, Rick, uh, if they can get the, the PDF, if they want to download it for their computer, if they still want all your draft analysis, how do they go about doing it? Allaccessfootball.com. Appreciate you guys. Always a pleasure chatting it up. Uh, we're on to 2024, so we got a lot of great content. You can follow us over at NFL Draft oh, Bible. I gotta, I gotta apologize for a second here. I, yeah. John, I apologize to you for interrupting and breaking. Sarah Teller was right the other day. I had him on one of my shows. I said that Brock Bowers is going to go as a top four pick in this draft. And I go, that just top never four. happens in top the National four. Football wow. League. And he said, Kyle Pitts. And yeah. I said, no, I think Pitts was six. He wasn't quite four. No. Oh, no, four. Pitts was four. Yeah, it was four. You were right. I was wrong. So yeah. my apologies, Sarah. You, you, you were right yeah. about that. You're wrong about every the Jets, dog. Every dog right has its day yeah. every now and then, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. just don't look at my mock draft because that was terrible. 
Except <laughs> everybody except- was. Everybody was, Rick. Mine was oh garbage. I think it was my worst mock trap ever. I it, was, it was tough. I, and, I uh, you know, GM. before I get out of here, guys, I, you know, time flies talking football with you guys, Mac and Mac. Uh, congratulations. I see the uh, five-year logo there. But uh, shout out to the chat room people. I see you guys out there. Yeah, you're getting some love on the chat, as you should. Uh, Ricky, always the best, buddy. Appreciate it greatly. Uh, we'll get you on down the road. Thank you for doing with us today. Thanks, Sounds Rick. Good, Thank you. Rick Saratella, NFL Draft Bible, and uh, you can get his stuff. If you still want it, didn't get it, he'll send it right to your computer. You can download allaccessfootball.subtract.com. All right, Johnny Mac, Johnny Mac, coming back. You know what we got to do. We got to put a bow in this show. Stay here. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? Yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Mac and Mac wrapping up a Thursday 
episode here on Bird 365. Johnny Mac, uh, what, anything going on down at the uh, Novacare Complex this uh, week? No, no tomorrow. They... Tomorrow is rookie camp. Tomorrow uh, we'll be down there. Uh, to see all the rookies in the tryout players. Always an exciting first practice of the year. It's not really practice, but right. it's, it's kind kind of different. Um, uh, we've seen the guys. We know who they drafted, and we know who the players they've already agreed to undrafted free agent contracts with. How many workout guys they got coming in that may or may not get that deal? They never announce them uh, in in advance, but it, it'll be quite a few. It's usually twenty ish or so. But uh, you know, if one makes it, uh, usually one makes it if two makes it 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 would be a shock i i think what they like to do is they want to prove that you know it's a meritocracy and if you work your butt off and they tend to sign at least one of those guys and put them on the off-season roster that's usually how it goes coach loves to use that competition line and yeah. if, you, if you put it actually into practice it makes it easier for the coach to sell it to the guys who no, they don't really have to compete for a job because they're making tens of millions of dollars. But uh, if you have guys who are actually fighting their way on, earning to just get a job and a spot on the roster, it does help for uh, the coach's ability to motivate. So, uh, well, that's cool. On Friday, have a good time on Friday. Here Friday on Birds 365 for more Johnny Mac runs down. One local guy, one national guy. Kevin Kincaid from Crossing Broad will jump in. And Ian Cummings from uh, NFL Network. Where's Ian again? Uh, Pro Football Network. Pro Football Network uh, will jump in uh, as a draft analyst as well. And then we'll kind of put the draft to bed. We, we had a couple of good guys on this week, like Ricky and uh, Ian tomorrow. Uh, so uh, next week, after the Eagles actually get some work in, practice no they won't call it practice but some work in to get a look at some of their new young guys we'll certainly be talking about that next week but we got to get through this week i'm here for the friday show Are you mcmullen let's do it we'll be back in two and two you've been listening to birds 365 the destination for the passionate eagles football fan who bleeds green if it's eagles football we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. <laughs> Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, Bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 